This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Welcome to Knowledge at Wharton. I'm Angie Bassiuni. Have you ever watched a television show or read a news article and thought, man, that was a great story? Only maybe to hear your companion say the exact opposite. They thought it stunk. Unlike math or engineering, writing is subjective which makes it really hard to evaluate objectively. The language that resonates with one reader may leave another completely dissatisfied. Well, Wharton marketing professor Jonah Berger is cracking the code on what makes a good story. In a recent study, he and his co-authors devised a way to measure language to determine what makes some narratives more successful than others. The published study is titled, How Quantifying the Shape of Stories Predicts Their Success. And Jonah's here to talk about it. Welcome back, Dr. Berger. Thanks so much for having me. Let's get into this. So once again, you are bringing me some really intriguing research about words, my favorite topic. Tell me what inspired this study and how you went about measuring something as abstract as language. You know, we are constantly consuming narratives. We're reading books, we're watching movies, we're reading articles online, um, but we're also creating stories. When we make a presentation, when we give a talk, even when we write an email or anything along those lines, we are creating content that's like a story. Uh, And so I started to wonder, well, why are some of these things more successful than others? Right? Some movies are blockbusters and some tank. Some books are bestsellers and others aren't. And some written content and online articles are just so engaging we can't put them down. But that doesn't happen for everything. And so I was kind of wondering, well, what makes a hit? Why do some things succeed and, and others fail? And can we use language to understand that at a deeper level? I think that's really important, too, because if you think about it, it's a there's a fire hose of information out there, right? And you want your information to stand out from everybody else's. So what was the key takeaway in your study? What did you find? I think the key takeaway is there's a science here. And we'll get to some of the specific findings in a minute. But I think, you know, often we watch movies and go, God, you know, it's just some magic creative process with things gelled together. And there's no way to understand whether it will succeed or or fail. And that's not exactly right. It it feels like magic. Certainly when we're Mm -hmm. watching a great movie or reading a great book, we are caught up in the narrative um, and we don't think about anything else. In the end, we go, wow, that was amazing. But the key takeaway here is there's a science that we can understand the science of stories, of content more generally, by understanding the progression of ideas, by using uh, tools that have recently become available through uh, computational linguistics and natural language processing, we can shed a light on some questions that might otherwise seem impossible to uncover. That's really interesting. You've done a couple of studies now that we've talked about, you and I, with natural language processing. And I find that fascinating because what you're doing is taking this very scientific, data-driven approach to something that a writer like me thinks cannot be quantified. (laughs) So in this study, you guys measured three things, speed, volume, and circuitousness. Can you explain those three things and what you found out about them? Yeah, and I know they sound super abstract and and scientific, but I'm Mm -hmm. going to hope to make them a little bit more concrete. So think about a car, for example, when you're traveling in a car, right? Sometimes you drive faster and sometimes you drive slower. What does it mean to drive faster? Well, it means you cover more distance in the same amount of time. In an hour, you go a few extra miles, for example, when you're traveling uh, at a greater speed. Well, it turns out that we can say the same thing about stories, content, or narratives. Basically, think about a story as a set of ideas that are unfurling uh, over time. So maybe there's a wedding, for example, and there's a first scene in a wedding, and there's another scene in a wedding, and there's a scene after that about something else. 
we can measure the distance between those ideas, how similar or different they are. Uh, Just like a car can go faster or slower in the same amount of time, a narrative, a story, a piece of content can go faster or slower as well. It can talk about two things that are very closely related, or it can move from one thing to another thing that's not so much related. You can see this in textbooks, for example. So imagine opening up like an earth science textbook from from your high school years, and there's the beginning of a chapter that relates very much to what happens next in the chapter, relates very much to what happens next in the chapter. If instead, though, you went from the beginning of one chapter and you went two or three chapters down in the book, right, it would obviously be further away because the content is less relevant. It's about a different thing that's very kind of far in semantic space. Well, it turns out that these neat tools, and I'm not going to go into them in super detail here, but a tool called embeddings that basically allow us to take text, language, and embed it in a multidimensional space and measure things like distance. So we can say, hey, take the first chunk of a movie, for example, and the next chunk of the movie, are they closer together or are they further apart? And in some sense, then, are they traveling faster, moving before unrelated ideas, or are they traveling slower, sort of plotting from one idea to the next? Volume is the same sort of idea, but less moment to moment and more general. So if you think about a story, some stories cover a lot of ground. They cover so many different things that aren't necessarily related, and other stories are a bit more narrow, right? They cover a small set of things that are closer together. In addition to just measuring the speed, or from point to point, how fast one went, how far one went in a period of time, you can also measure the volume. Imagine taking a story and having a set of points. We can take all those points together and say, are they closer together or are they further apart, right? Just for someone, for example, someone goes for a run and they say, hey, I went for a four-mile run, where they could have gone four times around a one-mile track, or they could have gone a big loop around one four-mile loop. Same thing with stories, right? We can say in addition to how much speed they have, how quickly they move from moment to moment, how much ground or volume do they cover? Some cover more ground and some cover less. And then last but not least is circuitousness. And I know it's a complicated word. It's basically how direct are the ideas? Are we moving through the shortest path possible through these points? Or are we taking a more indirect or circuitous route? So if you think about a clock, for example, right? And you think about the numbers of a clock, a clock on a wall. So you got that circle with the 12 and the one, the two and the three and so on going around in a big circle. Well, the fastest way to go through those 12 points would just be to go around the circle, right? Hitting each Mm -hmm. of them in turn. But you could also go from 12 to 6 to 1 to 7 to 3 to 9 and so on. And so you'd cover the same points. And in fact, the volume would be the same. It's still all inside that clock. But it'd be a much more indirect route. Same thing with stories, right? Do stories take a very linear path going from idea to next idea to next idea? Or do they sort of double back, touching on similar things that they've touched on before, before moving on to unrelated ones in the future? And so we measured each of these three things in everything from movies and books to as well as uh, television shows and academic papers. When I was reading your paper, I was relating circuitousness to sort of repetition, which is a device that a lot of writers use to sort of remind the reader about the points that they're making or the ideas that they touched on at the beginning and and visited the middle and then at the end. Um, And I also find it interesting that your paper talks about how when you create a path that's not very linear, you create more cognitive work for the reader. So it makes it a little more difficult for them to grasp your ideas. So to me, what this is beyond just measuring words, it's really about measuring the power of language. And ultimately, you want your message to land. You want the marketer or the company or the brand or the advertiser wants that message to get through. So let's relate this to uh, the business world. What can marketers learn from these findings? 
Yeah. So very quickly, because you, you said something I want to pick up on for mm-hmm. just a second, right? So it's really about the relationship between ideas. It's about whenever we're sharing ideas, how do we want to lay out those ideas in, in a way that will have the most impact for the people that are listening to them, right? right? Think about something like speed, Well, you could say, hi, it's fun to jump around, right? It's more interesting if um, a movie, for example, jumps between unrelated ideas pretty quickly. So it's certainly stimulating, but it's also hard to follow, right? Same thing with volume. Volume can be good, right? Um, uh, Academic papers, if they cover a big, wide range of things, wow, that could be good. It could be really impactful. You're talking about a lot of things at once but it can also be more confusing and, and effortful. And so as we think about uh, whether we're a marketer or a leader, whomever we are, you know, we are constantly creating content. We may not think of ourselves as speakers or writers uh, in the sense that we are uh, writers of books or uh, mm-hmm. public speakers, but we spend a lot of time speaking and a lot of time writing. In fact, almost everything we do on a daily basis is either speaking, reading, writing, or consuming or producing content in one way or another. And so I think as, as marketers, as leaders, as others, these findings really help us think about how to better lay out the content, whether that content is a presentation, whether that content is an argument, uh, whether that content is a speech, in a way that will impact the audience, right? Should we try to cover a lot of ground, for example, or relate the ideas more closely to one another? Even if we're covering the same ground, as you said, should we use a very direct path or more sort of a spiral where we go back to the same ideas again and again to deepen understanding around those things? And so I think, you know, these findings not only have implications for kind of content engineering. So if I'm Netflix, for example, and I'm trying to figure out which movies to green light, um, or I'm trying to figure out, you know, whether a certain story is a book is going to sell and make the New York Times bestseller list. Sure, these tools can do that. And indeed, our research shows that we can predict how successful movies and TV shows and academic papers are going to be. But I think these findings also have really useful implications for us, right? So we think about telling stories as something we kind of do for fun, but we are constantly telling stories. Mm -hmm. We are constantly laying out narratives to explain a set of ideas. And this work has some clear implications for how we should lay out those ideas. Now, in this study, you covered specifically movies, television shows, and academic papers. Not quite sure how those three things fit together, but I am curious about another channel that you did not study, which would be social media. I immediately started thinking about that because both posting on social media has become a very convenient form of mass communication for a lot of different kinds of people, politicians, uh, individuals, and in particular, brands. So crafting those messages in that kind of space becomes really paramount. So what do you think you could apply from what you've learned from this study to social media? Yeah, you know, as you highlighted, academic papers are not the same as TV shows or movies, right? And that's exactly, actually, exactly why we wanted to look at them. Because uh, while we can measure the speed and volume and circuitousness of both movies and academic papers, the features that matter and the way they matter are very different. Right. So while speed is good for movies and TV shows, for example, it's bad for academic papers. While volume is good for academic papers, covering a lot of ground is good, it's bad for TV shows. And so really to sort of think about your social media question, we need to think about kind of what we're hoping the language, the ideas, the arguments while outlining will will do. Right. Are we hoping they'll be fun and engaging and interesting and stimulating? 
Well, then things like speed can be good um, and volume may be bad. Um, in other cases, though, if we're trying to impart knowledge, if we're trying to get people to understand something or convince people of something, a different set uh, of those features might be valuable. You know, we're actually doing some work right now on social media. So one question we had, for example, is, you know, think about yourself as a brand or an influencer or someone else. Not only is there sort of a speed or volume or circuitousness of one piece of content, but you can think about the volume across multiple pieces of content. Today, I'm going to post about X. Next week, should I post about something similar or different? You know, should I post two buckets of things and every week I post one and the next week I post something else? Or should I post uh, one about each uh, each week? How should I think about laying out my content strategy to increase the impact of that content? And so we're taking things like influencers and brands and calculating things like speed and volume over time across the content they produce to look at how different types of producing content and different ways of laying out ideas may be more or less impactful. Well, and this study really does feel like a jumping off point for more research in this in this area. What, Where can you take it from here? What's next? So, you know, we're looking at things like what makes online reviews more helpful by using the same measures. We're doing some work on college essays. So we have a great data set of sort of the essays people write going to college and mm. looking how different styles of writing that we've talked about here uh, impact people's uh, later success uh, in school. Uh, we're doing things and looking like uh, at legal arguments and looking at how um, the way that lawyers lay out legal arguments may, may shape their impact. So in a variety of different domains, again, we are constantly using language, but by understanding the science of stories, the way that uh, words work, we can we can use them more effectively. Well, before I let you go, is there anything else about this study that you think is particularly salient for marketers and advertisers that you'd like to share? Certainly. You know, I think as marketers and advertisers, we are constantly creating content, whether it's ads, whether it's content marketing, as, as salespeople are making sales pitches. And these findings have some clear implications for how we should lay out our ideas, right? As salespeople, for example, when we're pitching something, should we jump from benefit to benefit or should we focus on one thing uh, rather than going into many? In ads, you know, should we try to talk about everything a product can do or stay a little bit more, more focused? And so um, as marketers think more and more about content marketing across a variety of different platforms, I think these findings have some clear implications for improving content marketing, making ads more effective, and helping salespeople sell a bit better. Thanks for joining me today, Jonah. Thanks for having me. The study is titled, How Quantifying the Shape of Stories Predicts Their Success. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can find more just like it on our website, where you can also find all our articles on the latest research in business. For Knowledge at Wharton, I'm Angie Bassiuni. Thanks for listening. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. 